I'm Christina Caramo, and welcome to It's Solid Food. You know, evil can be good sometimes. Now, I know you may be a tad bit confused. But yes, evil serves a purpose in our life. This is an age-old question that we ask ourselves all the time. Why does God permit evil? We say to ourselves, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. Well, newsflash, you're not God. And really quickly, that is not a logical argument against the existence of God because he doesn't function in the way you think he should. There's people who don't function in a way we think they should. However, they still exist. Just saying. However, we're going to explore this topic in an angle you may not expect that may shed some light as to why in this world we live in, evil serves a very important purpose. I'm Christina Caramo. Now it's time for some solid food. Welcome to It's Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So evil. Evil is something that we absolutely hate. However, evil serves a role in our lives. We hate evil because it brings pain. That's why we hate evil. You have to kind of deconstruct, if you will, that concept. We just don't hate evil because we just hate evil. We hate evil because evil brings us pain. That's why we're able sometimes to see or hear about evil against others. And the way we know it's evil, the what brings us sadness is the thought of feeling that person's pain. However, pain can be very beneficial. It just depends on the situation where we experience the pain. Think of some of our greatest joys in life are birthed through pain. One I can think of is physical fitness. Now, as a person who played sports in high school and college, and as a person who attempts to get back into that type of shape, (laughs) when we had to do our training sessions, it could be so painful. Running sprints, doing wall sits. Um, I even forgot the drill we would do. It's like this drill where we we would run to the free throw line back, suicide as they called it. I kind of forgot for a moment, right? We would do all these different strenuous athletic things. However, we would be in good shape. Think of professional success. Maybe you want to start a business. Now, of course, it's not the same type of pain as, say, losing a loved one. However, the type of pain that you feel, is it is a sort of pain. Maybe you want to do some things with your money. Maybe you want to go buy uh, a new item. Maybe you want to do something fun with your friends. But you have to suffer temporary discomfort for long-term pain. And the best example of that is childbirth. Now, I'm a mom, and folks, childbirth hurts. I'm sure all people really know that because of what women say. However, the blessing we receive at the end of those hours in labor makes the whole pain go away. That's why we're able to laugh about it. Unless, of course, something tragic happens. 
unless something tragic happens, the story, the pain, the hours, whatever had to go on, whether that needs a vacuum or whatever the case may be to get that baby out, we laugh about it. Because at the end, the result was so beautiful. Now, let me explain something. When I prep for my show, I go wherever the Holy Spirit nudges me to go. I plan it and I feel a stirring in my spirit to take the show a certain direction. And this happens all the time. So I have it in my mind that, okay, on today's show, this is what I'm going to talk about. But then what happens is, I'm going to lean back from the mic, sorry. But then what happens is, is that something will come across my mind or come across a screen or an article I read. And I feel the Holy Spirit say, talk about that. Um, you know, I am trained in Christian apologetics. And to be quite frank with you all, I desire to talk, talk about apologetics a lot more on my show. I mean, I spent two years getting graduate education, studying Christian apologetics formally. And so I, I would love to talk about it a lot more, to discuss theology way more and all the evidence for the gospel and, and why it's, there's exclusivity in Christ and all kind of stuff. Now, I do discuss the gospel in every episode. However, I find God nudging me at this juncture to discuss culture and politics more than Christian doctrine per se. And, and sometimes in discussing those issues, it's a form of apologetics, but not in the traditional sense. I find myself defending the cult, the Christian faith in a, in a cultural context, advocating for a Christ-centered culture. Because without Christ at the center of our lives and our culture, it creates all types of problems. It creates social problems. It creates psychological problems, spiritual problems. And when we don't live the way Christ tells us to live, it just causes so much pain and chaos. And so I look about it like this, that a lot of times people try to reject Christianity because they don't like the moral tenets. However, I'll defend those moral tenets and say, okay. And one of the easy ones to say drunkenness, right? And most people can pretty much agree because the, the effects are very obvious. But God doesn't want us to engage in drunkenness because it can lead to us engaging in very bad behavior. And it also can lead to a lot of health problems. A topic I talk about a lot is sexual immorality because that's the one that causes such disagreement. People want to engage in rampant sexual immorality. And the scripture is very clear. And we can even see from scripture some of the problems it can cause. Think of David and Bathsheba. Think of Samson and Delilah. So we can see how people rebelling against God cause problems in their lives. And we can look at the society around us and see how that rebellion causes problems. That's a form of apologetic in the sense that I'm telling you that here is evidence the Bible is true because it gives us proper solutions for our everyday life. How is the, say, Egyptian Book of the Dead helpful? It's not helpful. It's not helpful at all. We can look and see how the Bible contains advice for our everyday life. Think of Proverbs. It gives you advice for your everyday life. So it encompasses so much of our life 
that saying, look at this book and how our obedience to it. And not, we're not being obedient to the book. We're being obedient to God, but here are his instructions. Look at how beneficial it is for our lives to obey God. So in that sense, that's some evidence of the truth of scripture. Because look how much it benefits our lives and the community around us. Also, in the context of politics, without godly men and women in positions of authority, or at least, at the very least, those willing to promote and or support policies rooted in scripture, we have so many problems on our hands. This is extremely important because, you know, a lot of people downplay the role of politics. They just think it's a bunch of people bickering over nothing, especially in America, because we're so comfortable. But politics determines every aspect of your life. The way, the reason why I'm able to make this podcast and say whatever I want is because we have freedom of speech. Many nations do not have freedom of speech because they want total submission to the government. And they want everyone to say exactly what the state party, what this government wants you to say. Because when people begin to speak their minds, that breaks conformity and that breaks the government hold on their life. That is important, people. If we have people in power who don't want us to spread the gospel, folks, that's a problem. You know, every aspect of your life, from the way you conduct your life and what you can do, is determined by politics, where you can park your car, whether or not the government can force you to get a vaccination, where you can go, what you can say. All of these are important. So again, if we have individuals who want to shut down Christian private schools, who want to prevent Christians from being able to evangelize in the streets, we saw the pastor in Canada get arrested, or who want to take away the parents' rights to homeschool their children and then make your kid go into a government school where they're being brainwashed and being indoctrinated with all types of crap. Folks, politics dictates that. And so it is important as a Christian for me to point to scripture because even the Bible says in Proverbs, when the, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked are, the people moan. Because it caused so much problems. And we can turn to scripture to see how our government should function as far as how our leaders should behave. According to just behave as Jesus did. Minus you can't die for people's sins. Or say we have candidates now who support abortion so birth. Folks, that is gravely evil. As a Christian, we have an opportunity to speak about that. But also we can turn to scripture and see what happens to society who did engage in that evil. And we can turn to scripture and say, folks, our society is promoting such wickedness. Look what happened to Israel when they did that. Think it won't happen here? Think we won't have problems? I mean, we open the door for demons in our lives with rebellion. Think that isn't true for public officials? You think that's not true for a society who embraces demonic policy? And not just that, what about the poor children who died? 
So it's important for Christians to be involved in civil government. You know, these two issues reveal why everyone needs Jesus in their life. If we have people in authority in our government who truly follow Christ, do they support abortions or birth? Or like Governor Northam in Virginia talked about letting children die on the table? Or what about how President Trump just signed an executive order that if a baby survives an abortion, you have to give it medical treatment? Why, why was that even needed? Why was that, why was that even needed to tell people? You know, do you realize this is the ongoing issue that when children survive abortions, that oftentimes they are left to die on the table? How evil? How evil? How can I as a Christian not speak up? It reveals why we need Jesus. Because humans can be painfully wicked without him. We commit such grave acts of evil when we don't have Jesus in our lives. You know, when you think of orphanages, in early Rome, and not early Rome, but in, during the Roman Empire, if you will, it was a very common practice for people to have women to have abortions. And also, if a child did, if a woman did conceive a child and for whatever reason she didn't want it, just throw the baby outside and so early Christians would pick up the children and raise them so when you have people in society who are sold out for Jesus we treat each other better you have godly governance you don't sit back and promote wickedness in the society which necessarily brings problems into our lives. When you have Jesus in your life, you're not going to advocate for sexually explicit, explicit content to be blasted through the public square, corrupting people, corrupting children. As I mentioned in the previous episode, one of the reasons why God told Israel not to interact with, uh, not to mix with other people groups was because he didn't want them adopting their wickedness. Think of Solomon. The scripture talks about, and right now I'm reading in, in Kings, in 1 Kings, Solomon went after other women. And so he began to build up Asherahs and do all types of wickedness and go after other gods to appease the foreign wives. In our world, we think too much of ethnicity. That's not the point. The point was these women did not follow Yahweh. And so they led um, Solomon astray. They led Solomon astray. And so these types of things are so important. They are so important because the Bible sufficiently explains what we should do and how we should conduct every aspect of our lives. And for one book to sufficiently explain how we should conduct our lives and what we should do, there is some strong evidence that there is some truth to this book. And again, when I say it sufficiently explains, I didn't say it exhaustively explains. I'll talk about that in a minute. And it doesn't just help us understand our existence through 
direct commands and wise sayings like Proverbs, but also by stories. We see how disobedience to God plays out. We see it. When we think of Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Elijah, they called out evil kings. They called out leaders for promoting wicked policies, for encouraging and supporting cult and temple prostitutes, child sacrifice. They called these people out. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And Elijah just mocked them and and they did all this to make fire come and they just couldn't get it going. And Elijah um, doused the object he was burning with water and everything. And yet the fire came down. But Elijah was trying to show them the power of God. And these prophets were warning them. Just like he warned Jezebel. Being an enemy of God will bring you death. And a miserable one at that. And so Elijah and all these prophets and Ezekiel. Ezekiel was, he told them, this is going, he had a vision. He's like, this is what's happening to you guys. And why is this important? Oftentimes people say Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. We should just focus on the gospel. Well, what does that mean? Part of spreading the gospel is advocating for a Christ-centered culture. Part of spreading the gospel is rebuking wicked leadership. And especially leadership who wants to make it hard for me to spread the gospel. Leadership who wants to tell churches they can't sing. We can't praise the name of Jesus Christ boldly because we're going to spread the coronavirus. Or politicians who want to shut down Christian schools because they don't promote and uh, permit homosexuality. Or Bernie Sanders, or Bernie Sanders telling Russell Vaught that he shouldn't be allowed to serve in the government because he believes in the exclusivity of Christ. So what should Christians do then? Abdicate from society? Really? That's a non-negotiable. We're supposed to speak up and speak out and call for people to repent and turn to Christ. I think of someone like Charles Spurgeon. And I always, I was listening to the show, I mentioned it a lot, the Hamilton Corner. And the host said, when Frederick Engels who co-wrote the Communist Manifesto with Karl Marx. We talk about Marx a lot, but he wasn't alone. And when they went to England to spread communism, the biggest hurdle they had was Christianity. And, and Hamilton, um, Alexander, I mean, Alexander, Abraham Hamilton said, do you know who Frederick Engels said he hated the most? And I thought he was going to say something like Jesus. No, he hated Charles Spurgeon. He hated Charles Spurgeon more than anybody because the words of Spurgeon 
got so deep into the hearts of the people of England, they wouldn't embrace Marxism. Now you see how having people close to Christ kept out a wicked political ideology that seeks to squelch the gospel and to put the people in servitude. Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon was also an abolitionist. So this is a man of God who's the, one of the best preachers, best theologians of the last 200 years, who's on the for, forefront of fighting against enslavement. And because of his words, it discouraged people in England from embracing communism, which is a wicked ideology. Don't forget in communism, they want to get rid of Christianity. So if you have people in power who feel that the world would be better if we just get rid of this pesky ideology called Christianity, we know the world won't get better. It will get infinitely worse. In addition to the fact, many Christians will die. So should I not speak up? Should I not speak up? Of course, we have to. And as I mentioned before, as we see through scripture, that wickedness brought judgment. Wickedness brought terrible judgment. And in Ezekiel, we even see that the judgment started at the temple. If you need any indication of why God wants us to speak up about evil, just think about Ezekiel 9, 4. Let's start here. And the Lord said to him, pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and groan over all the abomination that are committed in it. And to the others, he said, in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike. Your eye shall spare, your eye shall not spare. You shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Folks. Folks. I remember reading that for the first time. And in that moment. You see how important. It is. To speak up against wickedness. Notice. The, the mark was to be put on the heads of the people who. Who sigh and groan. Over the abominations. So the people who sigh over the abominations, who moan, who speak up, God remembers that when judgment comes. And when he brought judgment, where did it start? At the house of the Lord. That's where it began. We have so many pastors right now who are more concerned, who are more concerned with being popular, being cool, talking about your greatest breakthrough now that they are unwilling to speak up against the abomination of abortion. They are unwilling to speak up against our little boy being given cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers, excuse me, our boys and girls. They are willing, unwilling to speak up against the attacks on the church. They are unwilling to speak up against false gospels and it compromises people. It harms people's soul and God expects them to speak up because when judgment comes, it begins at the house of the Lord. And it's very obvious that God wants us to speak up. 
Very obvious. And also, even in, so we can see what happens when people don't speak up. We can draw from scripture so many life lessons. The God wants us to speak up against evil. The God wants us to be involved in the culture. And, and think about it like this, folks. Judgment came because of wicked leadership. You've always had individuals who do wrong. But when the society itself frowns against the wrong, the society is not held responsible because of the sins of an individual. But when we, but when we put wicked people in power and encourage wicked people, then we are equally responsible for the wickedness they engage in. And when we encourage and promote and celebrate people spreading wickedness and filth in the culture, our hands are dirty, folks. Our hands are dirty. We can also see Paul calling on Christians how to conduct, to conduct themselves according to the ways of God in their communities as well, as Christ would want them to. As I said a, a while ago, a little bit ago, the Bible is the only book that sufficiently explains every aspect of our human existence. So in every part, again, it doesn't exhaustively explain. Those are different. It just sufficiently explains. And we have to understand that the mystery remains. God isn't going to tell us everything, but he tells us enough. To we so we could know the truth. So my goal in this show is to talk about how our rebellion against God is causing so much trouble in our personal lives and society as a whole. So again, my goal with this show is to talk about how rebelling against God brings trouble in your life and trouble in society and to warn people against it. And with that being said, what happens is, is when we rebel against God and it brings all this trouble, we turn to false ideas, false ideology, like Marxism, which is evil because it seeks to destroy Christianity. It seeks to confiscate personal property. And, and you guys have to understand something. There's nothing in scripture that says the government has the right to confiscate personal property. The government has a right to tell me what I can and can't say. There's nothing scripture. That's oppressive. That's miserable. God gives us free will. So who is the government to come along and tell me I can't have it? But even a bigger problem with Marxism is they want to do away with the human family, which God created. And they want to do away with religion. They want to do away. They want no script because they want no differences between people. They feel that differences beget inequality. So you want no differences. Then you have secular progressivism. Secular progressivism isn't necessarily Marxist, but they seek to do everything without God. Whenever you seek answers absent of God, you're going to cause problems. And we surely don't want people running our education system, running our media and entertainment, who don't want God involved. And these secular progressives, they're so bad, they don't even want Christians to be in the public square. They don't, they want us to keep our Christian faith at home and private while they bring their secularism, secularism in public. Folks, does that make sense? So I got to keep my Christianity under, under a lampshade. I got to keep my Christianity in a box while you can go promote your secularism any and everywhere you like. They've done a psyop on us. 
then you have paganism. You have people just rank and file paganism. I talked about that before. Uh, I, I shared on the show maybe about a month ago. Shows rough. I've been doing the show almost two months. But about a month ago, I shared how in Iceland, they're going to build their first Norse temple in a thousand years. In Iceland, they're, they're getting back into paganism. And then I talked about before on the show, Ifa or Yoruba, which is a pagan African religion. People are doing that. Then you got people, just which these are both a form of witchcraft, but you have people chasing um, witchcraft as well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people rebel against God. It causes problems. Then they seek false ideologies to fix the problems, which only beget more problems. Again, this is why Christians have to speak out. And we can glean, we can lean on scripture to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. And the fact that scripture sufficiently helps us guide our everyday life, then that should let us know that the Bible is true. That is the only way, but that is a way. And all these counterfeit ideologies have one thing in common. They are from Satan. And they want to pull us away from the one truth, which is Jesus Christ. Which will not only lead to spiritual death, but will make our temporal life on this earth completely miserable. Folks, we don't want a miserable life on this earth. There's nothing scriptural where I should have a miserable life on this earth. That doesn't mean I'm not going to experience evil and pain. Let's keep that clear. Let's keep that clear. I don't care how radically sold off for Christ you are. You're going to experience evil. You're going to experience pain. You're going to experience suffering. It's part of living in a fallen world. But what I am saying, there's nothing wrong with me speaking out against an ideology that could potentially cause misery in this life. And especially when said ideologies are necessarily rooted in the idea of telling you to reject Jesus Christ. How can we not speak up? And not just telling you to reject Jesus Christ, telling you can't say Jesus and you can't bring your Jesus with you where you go. You, you, you can't have those kids talking about Jesus at school and then teaching kids stuff like evolution that they came from monkeys and the blah, 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 blah. And that our origin is a primordial soup and not the one true living God. How can we not speak up? This is absolutely unacceptable, folks. Now, how does this tie into the topic of evil? When, why did I start a show talking about evil and to getting talking about why Christians need to be involved? I'm making my point. I'm making my point. In modern America, folks, we've had a good ride. We've had a very good ride. And folks, a good ride comes with problems. Because we get comfortable. Comfort is dangerous. Because comfort begets complacency and it begets laziness. Evil brings wisdom. We learn what not to do. We learn the consequences of bad things. And when we learn the consequences of those bad things, we seek to build better things. 
But the problem is with comfort, you forget the consequences of those bad things. To only chase them again and then to get the same consequences. So remembering the evil helps us to not chase the bad thing again. You know, I in, in this book here, Why Does God Allow Evil? I read it for a class. The author is um, was one of my professors. And he, he talked about um, there's no reason to think that our conscience will be scrubbed when we're in heaven. And so people speculate as to why in heaven we won't be evil. Why won't we engage in evil? We don't know. We don't know. We, we, we know that we're washed clean by Christ. We know that we're sanctified and regenerated by the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that. But why don't we choose to do bad again? Some speculate that maybe because we will remember the evil that we experienced in our lives on earth. And we want no parts in it. The evil we experience in this life taught us not to reject against God. And if we didn't experience that evil, that we would be naive like Adam. Because Adam hadn't experienced any evil. And so maybe by us experiencing evil in this life, we have no desire for it ever again. You know, that makes me think of us here in America. You know, as I said before, evil lets us know that something is bad. I remember once I was watching this program and a woman, um, she was on opioids. Um, she had had an injury. She was sick and she began addicted to her opioids. And she had like some kind of heated blanket or some type, some type of heated thing that you're only supposed to have on temporarily. And she fell asleep. But because of the opiates, she was so numb. Her daughter walked in the room and she, it had seared her chest. And she didn't know because she was numb. Feeling pain lets us know that we are in danger. When we saw the horrors of Nazi Germany, there was all types of outcry. We had these human rights commissions and we had the United Nations and we had all these responses to human rights and this and that. That could never happen again. Folks. What happened in Nazi Germany? It's not new. Human beings have forget all types of evil. Think of King Leopold of Belgium. Think of when you read about what Sennacherib did, how he would fillet people. When we think of the story of Jonah, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians tormented the Jews. One of the things I learned about was, um, was one of the things the Assyrians would do is say they uh, found, seized a Jewish family. They would take one of their loved ones and skin the head and then take the skin from the head and put it on like a mask and torment the other family members. Folks, that is evil. Humans have always been evil. They've been evil forever. You read some of the stuff ancients did to people? My God. My God. 
but we see the horrors of Nazi Germany. We why did the why in the U.S. people are so bent out about Russia? We didn't like them for their communism. And what happens? We learn from those evils. We say never again, but only to forget. Evil makes us vigilant. Evil helps us see why we need God. Evil helps us see why we should do the right thing. But folks, we've lost our vigilance. And this is why history repeats itself. Because we don't learn. We don't learn. We don't learn. And so evil and history repeats itself. And we're watching it play out in America. Ignorance and comfort. The comfort gave us the ignorance and the ignorance gave us the comfort. And I, and I when I speak, when I write things, I am not trying to be arrogant. It's not that I'm so smart. It's not that I'm just, I'm so smart and everyone's such an idiot. I had a cousin of mine tell me once, she said, Christina, you are such a nice person. She said, but if I saw, if I didn't know you just based on the things that you post online and some of the things you say in videos, I would think you were a jerk. I remember once I gave a speech and after I gave the speech and I was talking to somebody, uh, a couple after I gave the speech about why we need to have a Christ-centered culture, they said, they said, wow, you're so calm and nice. They said, oh, on the stage, when you give me your speech, it's like you're, I'm intense. And the reason why I'm intense, folks, that's passion. It's passion. I care about my fellow man. I care about my nation. And as I'm watching history repeat itself, we haven't learned from the evil of the past. And because we have forgotten the evil of the past, we are ignorant of it, we got comfortable. And then because we're comfortable, comfortable, it perpetuates the ignorance so we continue to be ignorant. I have one of my cousins that tells me I read like a prisoner. And I'm not saying everybody has to read it like I do. But you can listen to lectures. You can learn. Folks, we have the internet. Why do you think there's a fight to sense the internet so bad? Because it puts information at our fingertips like never before. There's a reason why our founding fathers made free speech so important. Because the ability to disseminate information empowers the individual. But the individual has to have the desire to consume the information that's being disseminated. Otherwise, it's no good. And so when we lose the desire to, to absorb and learn new things, we become ignorant, become comfortable, and that is when evil creeps in. My focus is on comfort more than ignorance. Because that evil helps us know what we shouldn't do. But in America, we've got so comfortable. Everything feels so good. In America, we haven't experienced real oppression like most people throughout human history have. We haven't. We've experienced pain, and I'm talking about the modern American man. Don't bring me some story from 1675. Please shut up. I'm talking about 2020. You didn't live in 1675. I didn't, so shut up. I'm talking about now. 
talking about in 2020 America. The pain most people experience are like natural evil or interpersonal, like person-to-person evil. But it's not like wide-scale mass oppression like people in other countries experience. And since we are ignorant of the realities of the world around us and we're ignorant of history and then we're so comfortable, like, folks, ignorance is bliss to a certain extent. Like, I have time where I will cut off my phone and watch mindless TV. Or I go take a walk and put on my jams. Or I go sit with friends and have a beer. And the last thing we talk about is politics. Talk about everything else. But when you live in that state of blissful ignorance and comfort and you don't see the evil around you and you are unaware or downplay evil, it comes back. And we are so comfortable that we think it'll never happen. You have how many people have this attitude? This is America. It will never happen here. What makes you think we're so special? Really? I would like to know. The only thing that keeps evil at bay in America to a certain extent, again, is God's blessings because anything can happen. But secondly, because our form of government empowers the individual like never before in history. Individualism is essential. In most of human history, people lived under monarchies. Where the king snaps his fingers, you're dead. The king thought himself as an extension of God. We don't live in that kind of society. So we have no concept of what living in that kind of society would be like. To live in a society where if you say the wrong thing, it can get you killed. We don't live in that kind of world. So we fail to fully understand what it's like. And so what happens is, is that we permit and we open the door for the evil to come back in. And this brings me to um, to the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Barrett. Now, this is an article. This is a headline from the Associated Press. Okay? Now, if you guys are unaware that most news agencies, they lean on Reuters and the AP to like get their big news story. And then they just like expound and discuss a little more, bring it to the local population. Most people aren't reading the AP and Reuters. They serve as like news wires. So this here says, the close ties of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, with the conservative religious group People of Praise are drawn scrutiny. The group views men as divinely ordained as the head of the family. Now, in our secularist world, where people reject God, his design for the human family, they're like, oh, the man, the head of the family. And again, they're so ignorant. What they fail to understand is that when you look out through the entire animal kingdom, notice the male is always the head, number one. There's something unique about men. I love men. They are. They're wonderful. Though the left wants to make you feel like the men masculinity are just awful. But the thing about it is men serve a very important role in society. And so God has ordained men to be the head of the family. Now for the left, that's a problem. 
for some reason, they interpret it as meaning that he has the right to domineer and dominate. No, it's meaning he's responsible. He's the leader. He's the He gives the direction. The direction, not directions. He gives the direction of the family. He devised the master plan for the family to ensure their success. That doesn't mean the wife is silent or he should ignore her counsel and her wisdom in the situation. No, but it's Jesus, the husband, and he provides protection for the family. He's supposed to love his family. The scripture gives so much, so much explicit instructions to the man, whether it's, I believe, 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, very explicit instructions to the man. On how, and then I believe in First Peter as well, where it says, even though your wife is the weaker vessel, she is your equal partner in the garden of life. And if you don't treat her as such, your player, your prayers will be blocked. So God is telling men, women, we are physically weaker than men. You have a lot of feminists be like, they'll find some convoluted way to say that's not true, but ugh, we know it's true. And also women tend to be a little bit more emotional and they bring emotion in places where it's, it's really harmful. So men have a specific role in being the, the strength of the family in a particular way. But, but because of that role, it puts them in a position where if exploited, it could subject women to abuse and horror. And so God's saying that even though you have this the stronger role. The woman is still your equal. She's still your equal. And if you don't treat her as such, I'm going to block your prayers. That's, that's, that's scripture. So why is this important? Because we live in a world that's dominated by secularists. Secularists, neo-Marxists, pagans, all this, all this jazz. And so they don't want a woman who is a Christian to serve on the Supreme Court because they're afraid she's going to bring her Christianity with her. Folks, that's exactly what we want her to do. Make no bones about it. I want this woman to pray before she rules in any case. That's the kind of people we want in a position of power. Not these godless Marxists who cheer at the death of babies. That's not what we want. We want a woman who fears God because so many people have gotten out of touch with evil. They welcome bad decision-making. They welcome bad choices. They welcome evil. See, oftentimes we welcome things because we're ignorant of what they really are. Just like children, a classic, kids, put your fingers on the stove. A kid would touch a stove until he gets burned. Once he gets burned, he's not going to do that again. We ain't been burned in a long time. So we forgot what it's like to touch that hot stove. And that's what's happening in our society. And then you have Christians who ministers should be speaking up. Remember Ezekiel 9.4? Where did judgment begin? And Ezekiel 9.4 through, um, I believe it's, um, 
excuse me, folks. I believe it was like a, a seven or eight. I'm going to tell you right now because I said it and I should be able to recall it and point it again. Ezekiel 9, 4 uh, through, um, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 9, 4 through, actually you can read 9, 4 through 7. And it talks about the judgment will start at the sanctuary. And so if you're not speaking up against the wickedness society, and you're not speaking up against people trying to ice Christians out of very important roles in society, you're bringing judgment on our nation. You're bringing evil onto the nation. You're literally ushering in evil. And so it's like we've already experienced the evil before. Why do we need to experience it again? Another thing is a lot of people don't want to support President Trump because he's mean. Let me tell you something, folks. President Trump, I love the guy, but sometimes I think he can be absolutely ridiculous. He can be loud and rude and all that stuff. Sometimes, sometimes I can be ridiculous too, for that matter. And I get why for some people, his personality just really rubs them the wrong way. But folks, what folks, who cares? His job is to enact policy. And if as long as he enacts good policy that benefits American people, and he is going to appoint a professing Christian to the Supreme Court, and he has people like Mike Pompeo, and Ben Carson, who are strong Christians, and he has Mike Pence as his vice president, a Christian. Folks, that's what's important. You have the Democrats who want to bring us, put us on cryptocurrency. First, folks, folks, the Democratic Party is ushering in the Antichrist system. If we are put on cryptocurrency and we don't have cash, do you not understand how dangerous that is? That means the government will have total control over every iota of your life. But we're supposed to ignore all of that. Because these jerks in the media constantly want to call him a white supremacist. We're supposed to ignore all of that. We're supposed to ignore that they want abortion till birth. We're supposed to ignore all that wickedness. We're supposed to ignore how they want to serve us up to a globalist system on a platter where we will have no rights. We will not have the freedom to spread the gospel. I'm supposed to ignore all of that because the other guy seems a little nicer. Holy Spirit, help me. And the only reason why people are this ignorant because they're too comfortable. They are too comfortable. We as Christians must get involved in the affairs of the culture. And I was talking to a woman online today and she was saying she's having the same problem with people. They keep getting caught up in his personality. I don't care. My philosophy, as long as he isn't killing anybody or sexually abusing people, I don't care what his personality is like. 
I'm not, I'm not going to beat him nine times out of ten. It'd be cool if I did. That is not my concern. My concern is his policies are great. Because that's what impacts your life. But because Americans are so comfortable and we haven't, we haven't experienced real evil like people in other countries from an oppressive government, we are welcoming in Satan's agenda with open arms. We are rebelling against God gladly. And when I was talking with that woman, I said to myself, that's another lesson as to why God allows evil. Because we learn from it. We learn so many lessons. We learn the horrors of rebelling against God. Which logically should prompt us to want to be obedient. Now again, I am not, I, I, what I'm trying to get at here. Let's be very clear. Is that I learned a lesson about why God allows evil from surveying the political and cultural landscape. From surveying the cultural and political landscape in America and how readily people are able to ready to embrace a, a, a obvious satanic agenda because it's wearing lipstick and will reject an agenda or leadership that actually will bless the nation, not because of the person. No, it's because the person is going to support and promote policy that is good for us. So we're going to reject the good policy because the packaging we don't like, but we're going to embrace the pa the evil packaging because we, the evil uh, agenda because we like the packaging. Just think about that. We're going to reject good things because we don't like the packaging, but we're going to we're going to reject good things because we don't like the packaging, but we're going to embrace and hug wickedness because we like the packaging. That only comes from a nation who doesn't understand evil, who hasn't experienced real evil. And when I realized that, I said, that's another reason why God allows evil. Because we don't, and he's the ultimate goodness. Remember, politics is important, but the gospel is the most important thing. My, my concern with politics is relative to the fact that I understand that who's in power really determines how much, how much fight I have to put in to spread the gospel. It determines how easy or how hard it is for me to spread the gospel. Of course, God can divinely open doors. We know that. But no one wants to be a martyr. No one wants to have to fight to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would be nice to just go in the public square and do it with no fight. But I understand the trajectory of where we're going, people are ready to embrace stone-cold Marxism because they are ignorant of its evils. So when you're aware of the evil, you're more likely to reject the, the evil thing no matter the packaging, no matter the messaging. And as Christians, we can see why God permits evil in society because if he didn't permit evil, how would we know how much we need him? That's what I meant. I gleaned from the cultural and political realities that we're currently dealing with to, to see how much evil is necessary for us to realize how much we need God. In this current world, we need evil. Because when I feel that pain, I said, I don't ever want to disobey God again. When I feel that comfort, after that pain from being in, with God, 
from being close with God, I said, I don't ever want to walk away again. You got to see evil to recognize goodness. And folks, folks, better wake up. Because we have so many Americans, because they haven't experienced evil, they're ready to embrace Satan. Because the packaging looks good. People are ready to embrace a complete antichrist system. It's amazing to me. It's because we ain't experienced evil, really. Evil serves a purpose. It points back to why we need God. It's like kids, right? You gotta let them fall so they can fly. Gotta let them fall so they can fly. All right, thank you for tuning in to With Solid Food. You can listen to my show on all major podcast platforms. You can check out my website at www.christinacromwell.com. Again, we're updating the website. I'm really excited about the changes that will be coming. You can check out my podcast, It's Solid Food, on all major podcast platforms. I'm on Facebook and on YouTube at The Christina Caramo Project. Also on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo the G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave, to be bold, because folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!